Welcome to episode two of the Wind Manager podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan from Telegeography. And today we're doing an Ask an Analyst episode. So while some of our episodes are going to be interviews with WAN managers or their vendors, we're also going to take some deep dives on a particular topic where we at Telegeography have the relevant knowledge and data. So today we're going to talk about the SD-WAN marketplace and how the vendor landscape and partner ecosystem has kind of developed. So for that, I'd like to welcome my colleague, Brianna Boudreau, who is a senior analyst here at Telegeography and heads up our SD-WAN research service. Welcome, Brianna. Thanks, Greg. It's good to be with you today. Absolutely. Thank you. So, um, you know, I just like usual thought that before I got into the questions that I wanted to ask you, um, I would dive into a few of our WAN manager survey uh, poll and uh, WAN summit poll results and just set us up with a little bit of data. So first on SD-WAN adoption, our 2018 WAN manager survey was focused all on SD-WAN adoption and we're updating that for, for 2020. But so the numbers that we have uh, in the present um, uh, update are from two years ago. So we're expecting some changes here. But back then, under 20% had installed and another 25% were in the rollout phase. Uh, now, we've, like I said, asked that question again this year, and the installed number certainly has gone up. Uh, um, but it's very preliminary results. We haven't finished running that survey, um, and uh, and we may see those numbers change. But it's it's around twenty five to thirty percent more like now in terms of those who have installed. And of course, uh, in the meantime, the global pandemic has shut everything down, and um, and we've heard from several folks that their rollouts uh, that they had intended for this year. Um, were delayed uh, by the the shutdown, either on the vendor side or the the uh, enterprise side, or both. Um, then also we have, like I said, the WAN um, Summit polls. So we would pull the audience at our WAN Summit events. Um, the last one of those was in 2019, of course, and um, then we were at about 35 percent um, in terms of adoption. And with both of those data sets, I always caution people that um, that it, it's very likely that uh, that our survey and the summit attracts maybe some earlier adopters. So, so the larger market may be a little bit behind that. Then another thing I want to talk about with you today, Brianna, is, is vendor type. Um, we asked in 2018 uh, sort of what type of vendors they were using. About 45% of respondents then were going sort of DIY with, with uh, a, an SD-WAN vendor direct kind of service. Um, I, I suspect that's going to have changed um, uh, by the time we get a full update of this survey. Uh, and about one third of them were going with carriers as a managed service. And, and again, I think that category, even then we expected that category to rise with time. So our preliminary 2020 results, again, uh, these numbers definitely might change over the course of the next few months as we collect more data. Um, but we, we've already seen that uh, shift solidly to a majority uh, of folks using uh, a carrier rather than going SD-WAN vendor direct. So we'll see if that stays uh, in place as we get more results. 
Uh, and then lastly, specifically about management, um, in 2018, we got kind of a mixed um, bag here. So about a third um, from carriers as, as a managed service and um, uh, kind of mixed on whether they were going uh, uh, with carriers, um, not as a managed service, that was a very small percentage. Um, or uh, we didn't have an option in that survey as getting it from uh, from an SUN vendor as a managed service. So um, uh, we'll see if, if that changes with time here. Um, and then we also added in 2020 a co-managed option. And we just didn't have that that as a as a response selection in 2018. So far, that seems to be the winner. So um, in terms of our survey respondents anyway, co-managed is... Uh, is winning out over both a fully managed kind of service um, or a DIY vendor direct kind of service. All right. So with that, just to set everything up, um, I thought, Brianna, we might start out with just like kind of a quick overview of what you do at Telegeography and uh, specifically what we cover in the product that you manage, uh, the SD-WAN research service. Sure. Uh, so I joined Telegeography a while ago now, back in 2008, uh, working on the pricing team with you, Greg, uh, covering all of our research areas, really both on the wholesale side of things with international private line and IP transit pricing, as well as our enterprise research, tracking MPLS and DIA pricing. And a few years ago, was kind of tasked with figuring out how we should cover SD-WAN um, when we started to hear more about it at the WAN Summit and from the different enterprises that we were talking about. So I've been heading up that for a few years now, and originally that product just really sought to profile what the different offerings were, um, because everyone had a little bit of a different take on SD-WAN, and we wanted to be able, for WAN managers, to take a look across the services, how to compare the different service features, what were the common elements what distinguished certain providers. And it's kind of morphed into the profiles along with a market analysis and most recently pricing. Um, so we, tracking, we are uh, pricing analysts ultimately, we right? We are, since, exactly. Since 2008, <laughs> I, I forget how long it's been, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Time flies actually yeah. when I think about it. Um, so yeah, the SDN pricing's really gained traction. Um, we've got a lot of participants in it. Um, it's up there with um, all the MPLS pricing for the number of participants now. So it's been really great to see that evolve for sure. Yeah, certainly. And and from my perspective, uh, a, a lot of folks are familiar with, um, I did a long blog series on this about moving from like kind of all MPLS to uh, an SD-WAN hybrid kind of network with inter internet involved and that sort of thing. And it's been really helpful to have the SD-WAN numbers to add on top of that. So thank you for spearheading that. So, all right. I figured first, before we get to the pricing, um, we'd talk just about like the, the vendor marketplace. Um, so, you know, one of the first things you run into when you're talking about SD-WAN, especially in, in those first few years is, uh, what is SD-WAN and who gets to call themselves an SD-WAN vendor? Is it whatever they were doing before, but with a new name? Or, or is there a, a sort of specific definition? And of, of course, our friends at, uh, at MEF um, have, uh, have taken that over in a sort of comprehensive way and perhaps 
in a future episode, uh, we'll get uh, Pascal Manessis or someone like that um, to take us on a really deep dive in that. But but just for for the purposes of, of the SD-WAN Research Service and the work you've done, I was wondering if you could give us um, a kind of basic definition of who gets included in our data as an SD-WAN vendor. Sure. Um, MEF certainly is making it a lot easier with outlining all of the things that different vendors need to offer to be considered SD-WAN. But originally, we tried to create a very basic, if you can say basic, definition of SD-WAN a few years ago. And that really is a service that combines traffic prioritization, management, and security functions into a network overlay that's centrally controlled and transport independent. So to kind of break that down, you've got your SD-WAN appliances or software that augment the CPEs at all your network sites, and they route traffic over different network connections based on performance criteria. WAN managers mm -hmm. can pre-configure those criteria in their centralized controller, and then traffic is routed based on which links meet those performance standards that they've set. So that's right. not exactly basic, but what we could boil it down yeah. to. <laughs> that's 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 good enough, absolutely. So, so, so using that definition, then I think the next uh, thing that that folks run into is that um, there are dozens of those providers out there. So, if if you're a WAN manager or IT staff trying to sort through that marketplace, um, it's it's pretty easy to become confused. Um, so while there's a lot of those SD-WAN providers and, and different SD-WAN uh, offerings, even from the same providers out there, there's definitely doesn't seem to be one size fits all. Uh, so could you walk us through, again, from your view and how we cover it, the types of SD-WAN services and providers uh, that are out there in the marketplace? Sure. I think really to do that, you need to take a look first at a company's um, approach and then their background. So really the two different approaches we've seen SD-WAN vendors take is an over-the-top provider. They deliver the hardware and software that overlay your existing network infrastructure. And that is a majority of the SD-WAN vendors that we profile in our research. Mm -hmm. There are a few others that have taken a network-based approach, like um, Arioca Networks and Cato Networks jump to mind. And they also provide the SD-WAN appliances but they utilize their own private network. Um, and so that delivers the service. Their SD-WAN appliances are routing traffic over their global backbone rather than the network you may already have. Right, so and, they're, they're acting like your carrier as uh, overlay and underlay are kind of a, a single service, whereas in every other case, you might uh, be able to get your overlay from one provider, your underlay from multiple providers, whatever the case may be, mix and match, right? So. Exactly. So mo all of the vendors we profile, they fall into one of those two categories, but a majority, again, are that over-the-top um, solution. And taking a look at the different providers out there, also their background comes into play. We found that really you may combine those different approaches, but you fall into one of a few categories. And the first you'll see your incumbent network providers like a Cisco or a Juniper Networks um, that have long had a history in manufacturing network equipment. Um, they've got the scale to ship these SD-WAN appliances all around the world. And then you may see other WAN service companies. Um, earlier you said, is this just a service they're tacking on to previous expertise? And some are. Um, for example, we've seen you know Fortinet gain a lot of traction with their secure SD-WAN service this year, but mm. 
they have a background in security or Riverbed, which um, previously specialized in WAN optimization. That's a key feature of their SD-WAN solution. And finally, right. you kind of had these pure play SD-WAN startups like a Viptela, a VeloCloud, um, CloudGenix that really, they specialized in performance-based routing and that was the root of their service. Now, a lot of those have since been acquired um, by different providers, but the pure play SD-WAN vendors were the third category that we saw starting out. Got it, right. And the, and there's, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe even some kind of interplay. So an SD-WAN provider might be working with a, a security provider to bring security into their SD-WAN service, uh, but still from, from a sort of SD-WAN vendor perspective, not from a security vendor perspective. Yes. A lot of the vendors that we profile actually do partner with the security vendors to bring in like a next generation firewall service or other cloud-based security features um, if they really do specialize more in just the SD-WAN performance-based routing they'll go partner with the security vendor got it makes sense okay so so given that varied landscape and 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 understanding i think a little better that uh, that the particular SD-WAN service you get might relate to the 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 background of that provider and that there's dozens of them out there, some of them even sort of just pure play startups. Um, you know, our primary audience here is more the the enterprise size, multinational sites across the globe, maybe at least um, dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of, of different sites. Um, and given this explosion of, of providers, I think a concern that we hear from these kinds of uh, WAN managers from from these large enterprises, so they want to make sure that that the the vendor they select is going to be around in a few years, can operate sort of on a large uh, international scale like that. So obviously, telegeography we're always very neutral in terms of uh, uh, picking winners and losers. Um, we're, we're happy to provide people with information to make up their mind there. So I, I know you you can't uh, get you know too sort of specific here, but who do you see as kind of um, the, the leaders of the pack in terms of, of the, the likelihood that they're going to be around uh, in a few years and not be acquired by someone else and, and the ability to maybe uh, serve a, a broad international kind of audience like that? Um, can, you, can you name some specific vendors that, uh, that you see as, as uh, at the top of the game maybe? Sure. Um, and understandable that enterprises wouldn't want to roll out something that will not be able to be supported within just a few short years after making that investment. Um, but the way I personally think about it is you've seen a lot of carriers or telcos partner with these SD-WAN vendors over the past few years to offer a managed service. And there really are a few key SD-WAN vendors that a majority of them have partnered with. And so mm -hmm. there's a slim likelihood that any of those would not be around in a few years if um, they're going into these partnerships with global telecom providers. Um, so for example, Cisco, both with their Viptela and Meraki product, um, VMware with their purchase of VeloCloud, Nuage Networks and Versa Networks are actually kind of the top four that we've seen in terms of carrier announcements that they have partnered with these SD-WAN vendors to offer a managed service. Um, yeah, I mean, and if I'll break in there for one second, just say for, for what it's worth, I on my side of the telegeography house, 
um, uh, I talk to a lot of the the WAN managers directly, whereas whereas you're doing a lot of talking to the the, the vendor side. And you know, there's it's definitely true on the on the WAN manager side. I hear those names uh, <laughs> mentioned by the folks that that we're talking to a lot. There's no doubt about it. So, and there's I mean, there certainly are a lot of other SD WAN vendors. Um, out there that are well established, but those are kind of the, the household names when you're looking at managed services. And then I mentioned Fortinet um, a little bit earlier, but they're one that in the past year we asked the carriers um, who they're partnering with, and they broke into our top ten this year. Mm. So that was interesting mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. I know security has been kind of top of mind for everyone right. recently. Yeah, and it, you know that large marketplace of SD WAN vendors. There's a lot of there's a lot of niches in the WAN market for smaller, uh, you know, SME. Maybe even um, there's space now for for SD WAN to be utilized by Soho kind of you know small office, home office kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but you know, st- again, strict strictly speaking about the sort of large multinational enterprise, um, I think it, it can narrow your choices down from. From those seventy-five or so vendors to to the the ones that are focused on that market, perhaps. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by the WAN Manager Digest. This exclusive subscription service is for enterprise professionals who manage large corporate networks. What it does is it bundles our most popular WAN resources into one toolbox with a single login. So here's what you get. Key findings from Telegeography's Cloud and WAN Infrastructure Report. Excerpts from Telegeography's SD-WAN Research Service. Network Services Pricing Updates. Analysis from our new WAN Manager Survey. And of course, field reports from the latest WAN Summit events. You can get more information about that at telegeography.com or click the link in today's show notes to learn more. So I'm back here talking with Brianna Boudreaux, my longtime colleague at Telegeography. Uh, we've been working together on the pricing team a long time, but today we're talking specifically about our SD-WAN research service. And we kind of talked already, uh, Brianna, about the the vendor marketplace and what counts as an SD-WAN vendor and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, but now everyone who hasn't yet adopted SD-WAN, which according to the numbers that we're seeing, is still a majority of the market. And again, our respondents might be even a little bit ahead of the curve. So really, there's quite a bit of room for SD-WAN adoption, which I think is going to go very quickly over the next few years. All those people are sitting there trying to decide, even if it's not from among 75 or so vendors, like we discussed a few minutes ago, but from at least among half a dozen or so vendors that could uh, do their multinational overlay. Um, how do you make those decisions, right? So um, in our previous 2018 WAN survey, I mentioned that that Vendor Direct uh, was the most popular option. Again, I think that's among the early adopters and it's very likely to change. We've already seen that change in our preliminary 2020 survey update. So what is your view on, on where the market might shift to? Are, are more enterprises going to go for the carrier partnership kind of uh, overlay solution? Um, or do you think we're going to still see a lot of folks 
um, getting their underlay however they do and buying the overlay directly from the SD-WAN vendor? Personally, I do think we'll see that shift towards a managed SD-WAN service. I mean, a lot of Mm -hmm. the original um, deployments, as you mentioned, were DIY. And that's because for a long time, independent SD-WAN vendors are the only option that was available. Um, you know, right, right. We- so if you're an early adopter, you have to just go to, well, for, first of all, there was a time when Viptela wasn't even Cisco and I don't know if they exactly. had customers <laughs> yet, then, but I think so. Right. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And just as an example, like in 2017, when we launched the research service, there were only 11 carriers that had rolled out their own SD-WAN service. And now we profile over 70. Um, so it really is right. Everyone's jumped on board. It's just made it a lot more widely available and accessible, perhaps for. Let some me just of the- clarify. Sorry, let me just clarify one thing you said there, um, so that we absolutely get what you're saying. Yep. In terms of carriers having their own service, you you mean mostly carriers having service that they're selling, but it's through a different vendor. There's only a few carriers. Correct me if I'm wrong. That actually develop their own SD WAN service. Uh, it's only a couple or so, right? Or does that even still happen? Uh, it's very few. I think Tata right. comes to mind with their ISO solution and um, mm-hmm. HGC Global, but I think those are some of the only ones that have most roll them out via channel partnership right. with one right. of the SD-WAN vendors we kind of talked about earlier. So Yeah, yeah. Got it. I just wanted to make sure that I had that right. Um okay. And and even from someone like Tata that developed the ISO solution, I assume you can probably get some other channel partnership service through Tata if you if, if they are your underlay provider and you want SD-WAN too, right? So, you can. A lot of the telcos yeah. that we profile, they've partnered with multiple SD-WAN vendors to be able to really offer a right. custom managed solution um, to their enterprise customers. Yeah. So that way, if again, if you're, you're already using them as your underlay provider, uh, then you, you still have quite a bit of choice in terms of the right fit from, from an SD-WAN overlay perspective. Uh, so you can, you can choose pro- from the, the major enterprise services uh, providers out there have, have channel partnerships with all the big SD-WAN providers, right? Right. And that may be a selling feature for some smaller companies that want that centralized management of multiple services. They want SD-WAN, but they also want other services that telco offers like direct connects to cloud service providers, consolidated billing, whereas some of your early adopters for SD-WAN or even larger companies that may not be a selling feature. They may want the ability to deploy and manage the service Um, Mm -hmm. Mm in-house. But I do think in the future we will see managed SD-WAN become a bigger part of the market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I certainly think that uh, in in our interviews, for example, with um, the WAN managers who have filled out a 2020 survey, most of them have been going with um, a, a managed uh, solution. I've even heard quite a few carriers mention that they'll they'll sell a managed SD-WAN solution without even selling the underlay. So getting your, it is at least an option that you could get a managed solution from a carrier with a global IT staff and, and, and that sort of thing, 24-7 coverage. Um, without even having the uh, the underlay provided by that carrier, so it is. We kind of have a box to check off in the profile for bring your own connectivity. Like, is this an option for those enterprise customers? Right. Uh, right. I guess. Which. 
This is really interesting. We'll see. We'll see if that lasts. It seems counterintuitive, but uh, it is an option for sure. Um, One question I kind of had for you, Greg, actually, was Mm -hmm. that we're gearing up to do um, start sending out the profiles for review of the SD WAN vendors, and we've been doing some calls and a service provider that offers both an unmanaged and an unmanaged solution was saying they've seen things shift towards managed, but it's a little bit slower than they originally thought it would be. So they um, mm. were glad that they offer mm-hmm. both. I guess during your interviews, has that ever come up? How quickly the market is shifting? Yeah, uh, it, it has in this. I mean, w- when I'm talking to an individual, it's very much up to that sort of what that individual's opinion is, right? So, but a lot of, a lot of the decision-making process on their end comes down to they they definitely feel in many cases as though they could manage their SD-WAN service, right? So in other words, you know, uh, you've got a, a really smart person who's in charge of this um, uh, IT infrastructure team at a, at a major corporation. It's just a matter of whether they can convince uh, the CTO, as it were, right, um, that, that they are interested in managing a 24-7 kind of... Um, operation right so so the you know what what the carriers or uh e- even the vendors that might offer a managed service can can bring to the table is that they already have all of these global coverage kind of knocks in place um they're they're already managing this with a team of of engineers that have the know-how of their particular software um around the globe um, with total coverage. And so why replicate that even if you do have the expertise and, and that sort of thing? Now, there there are it's a minority, but there, there's other folks that we've talked to that just can't abide the idea of not having um, a, a degree of control over that, which I think is why we're seeing emerging in our, in our current um, survey update, the kind of co-managed solution where there are some things uh, that you that you don't want to have to be responsible for, especially you know things like like the the twenty four seven kind of coverage, um, but you still want to have you don't want to give that over entirely to the carrier, right? So, so it's I kind think of the that's, best of both worlds. Yeah, I, that my suspicion is that's what's going going to emerge as as a as a popular option um, for 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 a lot of enterprise IT teams, IT infrastructure teams. But it's it's the same caveat, right? That I have to give with with this all the time, which is that the the people who uh, respond to a survey, who go to a WAN Summit event, especially the people who um, agree to do a, a twenty or thirty minute interview with with my colleague uh, Elizabeth Thorne and I, are are really thinking about this, are are really concerned with this, you know. Um, uh, not to say that that uh, others aren't thinking about it, but they just that you know the people who aren't responding to our surveys, aren't going to the conferences, um, might be in a position where they're more willing or or to kind of turn that over to another party, or just not that interested in it in terms of uh, <laughs> what what our respondents are. Right. So the folks listening to this podcast uh, care a lot about the about the marketplace and that sort of thing. So. Um, not everybody uh, is is going to be want that kind of uh, level of involvement control, and so the larger market um, out there uh, that that aren't bothering to respond to our surveys might be more strongly leaning towards 
the the managed service and are less likely to have adopted now, right? So so mm-hmm. what I'm getting at in a long-winded way there <laughs> is is that the the long tail of later adopters strikes me as being much more likely to go with a kind of more fully managed solution. Whereas the the folks that got really interested in this that that have been um, reading up on it, going to conferences, meeting all the different vendors, um, they're they're more likely to be just the kind of person or or group of people who want to retain more control. If that makes sense, it does. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, you know, I think the key to to vendor selection and, and management levels is is knowing the landscape knowing like you mentioned before what it what it came out of is this um, uh, a service that came out of a, a, a win op- optimization shop or a security shop and what are my priorities there and and how does that all work uh, and then of course you also need to know how much all of this costs, right? So, Everyone's favorite topic. Exactly, <laughs> how much is this right? going to cost me? <laughs> so, so I'd my, you know, the folks who've read uh, my blog posts about this or whatever, what I talk about mostly is is the underlay costs, right? Like moving from all MPLS to to a hybrid network and that sort of thing. But what your focus has been, Brianna, has been pricing for the SD WAN service itself. So I want to want to close us out with with talking about that. Um, and the first place I wanted to go is as I think back to 2017 or really even uh, when we first were learning about, I, I think I, I basically first learned what SD-WAN was or that it was a word at the 2016 WAN Summit in New York. I don't, I don't know, maybe the 2015, um, uh, if I recall that correctly. But um, the, the first thing I thought was how on earth are we going to track this as, as an analyst shop? So take me through that challenge. Um, uh, what, what did it take to um, come up with a sort of standardized pricing uh, that, that we could present to the world in a way that made sense um, to the vendors and to the consumers? Yeah, it, uh, it certainly was a challenge, a bit of a puzzle. Uh, it, SD-WAN still is. A lot of different vendors still take a very different approach to how they price it out. Originally, what we did was try to come up with a few core elements that we saw multiple vendors, including in the pricing they outlined on their websites or in um, different articles we found. And then we shopped a survey around to different Mm -hmm. SD-WAN vendors and said, you know, would you be able to A, fill this in? And would it be a useful comparison to you? Because like so many of our other um, pricing products, a lot of the contributors also find the feedback useful to help benchmark themselves in the market. Um, and so we did get input from a number of original SD-WAN vendors. We talked to a few of our consultant friends from the WAN Summit and put the survey mm-hmm. in front of them and kind of asked, is this what you're seeing when you're helping customers go through an SD-WAN deployment? And that was really helpful in putting together something that made sense. Um, yeah, because yeah. And there's an extent to which us doing that uh, helps them congeal on a on a a model that that is you know makes sense and is transferable. If everyone is is pricing things in a radically different way, the the customer has trouble sort of um, figuring out you know which direction to go. So exactly, and I mean, still you see some that will weight their pricing more towards um, a non recurring charge, so the investment in the SD WAN hardware itself, whereas. Mm-hmm. Others have shifted more towards a subscription-based um, pricing model, but 
overall, you are able to put these elements together and take a look at, okay, for each vendor, what is the total cost of your overlay and make a pretty accurate comparison between the two. Yeah. And, and what's been interesting for me to track, right, um, has been what percentage of the sort of total cost of ownership of a WAN, SD-WAN has made up. And it's it's pretty small, right? So unless unless you're like a radical um, kind of internet only uh, company, which of which there there are very few uh, people who, if even if they go all internet, they tend to include DIA, which is which is a whole different price level than business broadband. I haven't really seen a lot of real enterprises go like fully business broadband. If you had a fully business broadband network, your SD WAN uh, costs will take up a big portion of your total cost, but. Um, other, you know, if you have any amount of, of uh, MPLS or your network is mostly DIA, still most of your cost is going to the underlay rather than the overlay. Um, but having said that, I wonder if you could just lay out for us in, in real specific terms, kind of what are the elements of the total cost of an SD-WAN overlay uh, uh, across your network? Sure. So the most common elements that we were able to identify kind of break into the non-recurring and the recurring charges. And so for the non-recurring charges, we've asked vendors to provide the upfront cost of an appliance or the software platform downloaded each network site for the enterprise. Um, and as I mentioned before, that can often be the bulkier costs for some vendors. And mm -hmm. in terms of the recurring charges, we're tracking um, software licensing fees. The key that um, was pointed out to us is the charge for total encrypted bandwidth at each network site. So mm -hmm. your MRC is going to increase as your network size increase, um, site size. And which is part of the point of SD-WAN, right? So exactly. if you, if we, our WAN manager survey shows that the, the typical MPLS port size is still only 20 megs, which you know, I'm, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast that live in an urban suburban area have, you know, 50, 100 plus megs at home. But the typical office, you know, uh, with with many employees and that sort of still only running 20 megs, partly just because MPLS is, is really expensive. But if uh, if you're going to add in a bunch of business broadband or DIA to, to accommodate the the features of SD-WAN, it's going to be for that total amount, right? So your, mm -hmm. uh, your MPLS plus your giggy uh, DIA or whatever the case may be. Exactly. And if we also look at both the unmanaged versus managed service pricing. And so for those managed services, um, also your management fees would be baked into those recurring charges as well. Mm -hmm. And let me just clarify one thing because one, you know, we're called telegeography. We think about um, uh, space and place all the time. People know us for our maps. One of the key things in in our career, um, you and I on the pricing team, has been understanding how different prices are around the world for everything: transport, IP transit, colocation, data center space. SD WAN doesn't work that way, which was. Would kind of a surprise. It was to very me. surprising. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> we, we sent out the original survey with all of these countries, and the prices came back all of the same. So we so definitely had to throughput, amend. Yeah, so encrypted throughput at, for your office in in uh, Johannesburg is the same as your office in Dubai is the same as your office in London and New York. That's just something very different, very very different than yes. how the underlay works. 
where prices are very far from flat. I mean, broadband's a little flatter. Uh, you know, a hundred megs of business broadband is is uh, not as extremely different in in those more. But it's it's always going to be the case that IP transit is is pretty uh, different on the on the wholesale end. So those um, those ISPs are still paying a little you know more for their IP transit uh, in those hard to reach places, but not in SD WAN. I guess because it's just all driven from from the cloud out um, and software based. And no, no, is there anyone that you talk to that that differentiates by geography, or pretty much everyone just give you a global price? We had a f- one or two that did mm-hmm. say that for regions where it may be harder to ship the equipment physically, right. um, they had right. baked in a little bit of a premium. So perhaps mm-hmm. Latin America or Africa was a little bit higher, um, but mostly across Asia, Europe, and the U.S., their prices were still pretty much the same. So, And they were the outlier, but it did kind of make sense that those harder to reach locations had a little bit of a premium baked in. It makes sense to me. Yeah, I guess maybe it's, it comes down to how one accounts for these sorts of things. I'm just I'm thinking of like you mentioned Latin America's markets like Argentina, where you basically pay like 100 percent tax on any IT equipment that you import. Right. So yep. so if somebody imports a box from Cisco, they pay for it twice. But I guess. Uh, you you could work that out in in who pays the taxes the the customer or, you know whether you the customer's paying it either way but I guess um, the the pricing wants to look the same regardless of whether they have to pay additional taxes or something but exactly. but you would think that just the physical shipping of course obviously pushing the software around to to different um, you know sort of uh, data centers or whatever uh, maybe isn't that different of a cost on on their end but. I, I, I still I still kind of am surprised by that a little bit. So it's probably worth following up on, but people yeah. have maintained that it, it's the same. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and um, once once you make it that way, it's going to be hard to ever go. You know, start charging more in your harder yeah. markets. You know, we have seen most rollouts still focused, though. Uh, I have to say, among the folks that we talked to on the enterprise side. Uh, most rollouts have been focused in in North America and Western Europe uh, for the time being. So um, perhaps as as their costs uh, maybe a basis gets more um, visible, uh, that that will change. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, so for cost differences, you mentioned you know managed services. What what kind of um, breakouts have we done in the survey and, and what are the, the different costs associated with that in terms of management levels? Sure. Um, so the managed service providers that we profiled have taken a variety of approaches to it. Um, some offer just a single service tier, um, while others offer multiple. We've kind of broken it down into two to capture the differences between a basic and mm-hmm. higher level services. So we've got a a basic managed SD-WAN service, um, which includes all of those management fees, as well as just your basic network monitoring and security features. And then that premium solution, I should say that the basic managed SD-WAN could be a co-managed or a fully managed solution, whereas uh, the premium right. is definitely a fully managed solution with more advanced right. network features. Um, so we've tried to capture some of those distinctions that the managed SD-WAN vendors um, are using in their pricing models. And the differences, right? So if uh, first between, uh, you know, the, the, the real IT heavy uh, companies that, that want to absolutely be on their own 
Um, if you go up to that next step, which, like I said, is a, is emerging as as the most popular one in our most recent survey of kind of your co-managed, where you you retain some control but are having um, some features, especially like like I said, the twenty four seven kind of coverage done by your vendor. What kind of markup are we looking at in terms of the uh, SD WAN service? When we've taken a look at it, a premium managed service can be two to three times that of a basic mm. managed SD-WAN right. service, so, which so makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. But as, to your point, whereas SD-WAN makes up such a small piece of the total network cost, I know right. you've pointed out in your blog post that even if you are increasing the cost of the SD-WAN overlay two to three times, if you're able to get those savings as part of the underlay, um, you are seeing your total costs go down. Absolutely. Right. And um, the, the, the key thing that I think we'll, we'll want to be thinking about over the coming years is that once you get used to something, it's, it's very quickly that sort of um, little jolt of happiness you get goes away and then you're just <laughs> in a new normal. Right. So yes. if, it, you know, if I leave behind my MPLS and cut my network costs in half, then from that, that just becomes the new normal. And maybe later on, I become more sensitive to having three X of my SD-WAN costs for, for management or something. So I wonder if <laughs> in the long run that, uh, that, that has a it, deeper effect on people. We'll see, you know, it could it make sense. Yeah. All right. So the, the last thing I want to talk about is, um, as I said, at telegeography, we, we like to focus on how things have, have developed over, over space, but we also talk about how they've developed over time, right? So we've been tracking SD-WAN prices for a few years now, um, uh, and we've been tracking the what has now become the underlay. We just used to call it uh, transport or the WAN or whatever, right? But um, we've been tracking that for, for more than a decade, right? So um, we understand really well how prices develop on the underlay side. Is that the same for SD-WAN? And this is one where I'm genuinely curious in the midst of this interview to, to see what you have to say here. Like what kind of movement do we see in, in the underlay? We, we expect routinely across the globe that prices fall 15, 20, even 25, 30%, depending on the location every single year. Is that true for SD-WAN? It isn't. This is one that's similar to geography when we saw the results mm -hmm. with... right kind of very much surprised me um, with the way it played out. We actually haven't seen SD-WAN prices decrease all that much. Um, a majority mm -hmm. of the vendors that we have surveyed for multiple years this year said they had no change in their pricing. Um, those that did clarified why. A few um, were moving over more towards a subscription-based service. So they were really shifting their costs mm -hmm. towards the MRC from the NRC. Um, another said that they had decided to cut pricing to come in line with lower price competitors in the market. But it was very few vendors that did um, shift mm -hmm. pricing over the past year. So I think maybe prices yeah, overall we'll decrease one or 2%. That's it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, th that makes a certain amount of sense to me. Um, if you compare it more, it's, n it's not really a telecom service. It's more like kind of a software service. Um, you know, in telecom, you're, you're facing that constant pressure that uh, advances in the the technology uh, at those layers one, two, and three, right? Um, get more more supply out of out of every bit of of wire that's laid all around the earth uh, every year, right? So, and they're always increasing the supply of wires at the same time. So, 
as as much as demand grows, um, the supply has always grown faster. Maybe not quite the same dynamic in SD-WAN where it's kind of more like a software, more like a service. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it will be. We're gearing up for another round of um, pricing, so we'll see what comes in this year. If anyone has decided to shift around, yeah. So then, if if internet prices inevitably continue to fall at their standard, you know, fifteen twenty percent, and SD-WAN prices don't. And MPLS wanes in in popularity. Eventually, Does SD WAN become yeah, a big, SD- big portion exactly. of your cost. <laughs> yeah, eventually the WAN is just SD WAN, or or I, well, you know, maybe some other time we'll talk about what you're looking into now with uh, you know network as a service and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, there'll be no more WAN someday, anyway, right? So, I don't know. No. As, it'll, as long, it'll be yeah. interesting to see where it goes. I know that mm-hmm. some of the vendors we've talked to are even wondering what happens to SD-WAN, you know, does performance-based routing just kind of become another tool in the toolbox of kind of a network as a service product? It's not just standalone SD-WAN anymore. Um, We'll see. Right, right, exactly. Ultimately, everything is just um, down to how you get it to go over your um, IP pipe, basically, right? Exactly. Okay, Brianna, that that was really interesting. Um, I know that I actually learned a couple of things about uh, about what you guys have done on that project. It's it's been um, telegeography has has grown in so many different directions that uh, that I can't keep up with with everything that we're doing now. So it's it's really cool to to get back into some of the stuff that I haven't been able to work directly on. So thank you. Anytime. So now before we leave here really like to ask everybody an unrelated question of, uh, of the episode. And I was thinking for you, it might be fun to see like, what is it that you are most missing, uh, during the lockdown? So, so, um, where we are here in Virginia, we're, we're pretty close, I think, to opening some things up. So, um, although it may be dependent on what you want to do, but what, what are you going to, what's the first thing you're going to do once, uh, life sort of returns to normal here? Well, I don't know if, Jumping on a plane is necessarily the first thing I want to do, but <laughs> yeah. um, my family is all up in Massachusetts on Cape Cod, mm. and so this time of year, um, I'm really missing being up there with them, kind of going to the beach. Um, Get some beach time, yeah. Exactly. Well, you, you need to but, rent an RV. That's like the safe way to travel, right? We <laughs> could. <laughs> I like that Just, we could. That was a little, well, we could. Right? <laughs> That'd be quite a road trip with my two-year-old toddler and husband dog in all that. Indeed. Yeah. I don't even know how the car seat works in the RV. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, but going to the beach, seeing family, those are two things that I would love to do right about now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully soon enough. And with that, thank you so much for joining us. It's been super fun. And um, hopefully maybe in the future, uh, you can come back, talk about network as a service or whatever um, new things you come up with next there. So, Of course, anytime. Have a great day, Greg. You too. Thanks. Bye. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. 
If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day. Boom. Yeah. All right. How's it going? It's going okay. Is it is it enough banter? That's the what I was wondering. You can always do more banter, so I'll 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 work on yeah. that too.